0: This year's Biblical Symposium of the Orthodox Center for the Advancement of Biblical Studies will be held online saturday june thirteenth twenty twenty. Space is limited to one hundred attendees, so register today by going to EphesusSchool.org. Father William Mills, author of "Losing My Religion," is the featured keynote speaker. Other presenters include the very reverend Dr. Paul Nadim Tarazi, Dr. Nikolai Roddy, professor of Hebrew Bible and Old Testament at Creighton University, and Dr. Richard Benton and Father Mark Bulos of the Bible as Literature podcast. Register today by going to EphesusSchool.org.
1: You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network.
0: Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. When they
1: Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Evert, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes
0: podcast, episode number 35. Today's reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. But we would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Today's epistle reading is the reading that we hear on the Saturday of Souls service that's coming up this Saturday. And I'd like to discuss that later in today's episode, but to begin today, I want to point out this same reading is read during the Orthodox funeral service. And of all the epistle passages that could be read at the funeral service, the Church has chosen this one above all others. And when I read this passage, I'm filled with hope. Uh, but Father, is, is this what the Church is emphasizing here, a message of hope, or... If not, what is of greatest importance for us to take away from this passage? Very good question, Jason,
1: but a complex question, so we can spend some time unpacking it. When we talk about death and resurrection, or we talk about the funeral service, or even more broadly, of human existence and consciousness and our unique relationship with God, I think we have to understand there are many issues and complexities So let's just stick with the funeral service for now, since you brought it up. We would be gravely mistaken if we thought the church, or for that matter, Scripture, provided us with only one theme. That's just simply not the case, because our existence is way more nuanced than that. And so what I'm getting at is that, yes, while this passage certainly provides hope for us, we need to consider the funeral context and human existence more broadly, and realize that this theme of hope is only one of several themes to the funeral, to the resurrection, to life. There are often themes that even seem to compete with that theme of hope in both Scripture and in the funeral
0: service. And maybe you can elaborate on that further for us, Father.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, But before I do that, I would go even a step further and say that perhaps what we humans may view as contradiction or tension in the Bible and in the funeral service is not so much contradiction or tension, but rather a need for us to properly understand various themes. And what do you mean by that? Take the example of hope that you mentioned. What do we mean by hope? I mean, you can ask 20 different people and you'll probably get at least 10 to maybe even 20 different types of responses. So what I'm getting at here is that even when we say something like this passage or the funeral service provides hope, we have to understand hope properly in a biblical sense. And I think when we do that, then we realize that there's less tension between the themes in the Bible or in the funeral service than there is when we project our ideas into the Bible.
0: And maybe an example would
1: help? Sure, yeah. I did eventually want to get to that, so let's just take this idea of hope. There's hope of a resurrection. There's hope of being reunited with our loved ones who preceded us in death. There's hope that there will be some sort of a righting of wrongs. But on the last point, this idea of there being a righting of the wrongs, you see the connection to judgment. And why is that important? Why bring up this connection to judgment. Because a big part of the Christian hope, and notice I'm saying Christian hope and not just generic hope, and we can unpack that more here soon, but a big reason why there's Christian hope is because it's intimately connected with the idea of a righting of the wrongs, a reversal of the judgment of this world against those who follow the path of Jesus Christ. And so from a Christian perspective, yes, there's hope, But that hope cannot be detached from the idea of judgment. And judgment, in a generic sense, is far removed from hope, in a generic sense. Judgment is something a lot of people don't like to talk about or want to think about today. They just want there to be some sort of a broad, generic hope that we will all live happily ever after in some sort of afterlife. And this type of thinking, in my opinion, can be dangerous because it detaches us from any sort of accountability for how we live in this life. We can be maybe a little selfish, kind of be a generically good person who doesn't really do anything too bad, but doesn't really take any chances on standing up for the poor and the needy and the outcast. And we can hold out this generic hope in the resurrection and living happily ever after in the afterlife. And there are no real consequences
0: to our behavior or, in this case, lack of behavior. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I'm not disagreeing uh, with you by any means, but I'm interested if you could explain how you got from the passage I read at the beginning today to where you are now. How, how should we make that connection? Thanks for bringing that up, because it's
1: important. I guess I would highlight three different things, two of which I'll explain in a little more detail. The first is really more broad. I get there by having a full picture of Scripture. So you can't ever just read an isolated passage and start making conclusions from it. You need to have the whole story in mind to understand what you're reading. I'm not going to explain that in detail right now, as I trust our listeners know we always make that effort, and I think the other things I'll point out will highlight this. So the second thing that I would highlight is that you specifically mentioned the funeral service. And so my mind thinks about the gospel reading at the funeral service, which is John chapter 5, verses 24 through 30. I actually referenced this passage, you may remember, in our last episode as well. But I'd like to read two verses from that. John five twenty-eight through 29. Jesus says, For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation so as i mentioned briefly last week in both cases for the good and the evil there is resurrection the resurrection therefore in and of itself again as i said last week is neutral and functional it serves a purpose and the purpose is for you and for i to be raised to be judged And then you will be separated into either a resurrection of life or a resurrection of condemnation. And that brings me then to the third point that I wanted to make. Is there hope in St. Paul's passage to the Thessalonians that we heard you read today and that is read at the funeral service? And my answer, yes, there is hope. But the hope is conditional, so to speak. The hope is that when you are raised, you will be found to be in Christ Because if you are not in Christ, then it's not such good news. So that's why St. Paul says, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Again, going back to what I said earlier, it's not just something generic, this hope. St. Paul doesn't say, And the dead will rise first. He says, The dead in Christ will rise first. And when speaking to the Thessalonians, he notes that those who believe that Jesus died and rose again, Have this hope. And of course, we know from other passages in St. Paul that we've discussed on this podcast previously that his idea of believing something is not merely intellectually thinking it, but rather it means that you trust in that message and therefore live your life and behave as though it's true. So, hopefully, you can see what I'm saying that this hope we have as Christians is conditional on our acceptance of the entire message. We can't be honest to the message of Scripture and the Gospel if we just pick and choose what we like, and we start to think about and apply these concepts like hope generically. So to sum it up, I would say that yes, the passage from St. Paul gives us hope, but it gives us hope that ultimately God's judgment will override any judgment of this world against the authentic Christian teaching of caring for the needy, showing mercy on the outcast and the despised of this world, and so forth. And that, to me, is of the utmost importance because we should not water down the scriptural message and just provide some sort of touchy-feely generic message of hope that requires no real action of us here and now in this world. But, unfortunately, many of us do that Including many Christians who are religious and attend church regularly, and who think that somehow that means that they have hope. No, that's not the case. It's about what you do when you leave the church, and if you put the scriptural message that you hear in that same church into practice in your everyday life in dealings with other people. That's what
0: should give you hope. Very helpful. Thank you, Father. So, final question for me today. This coming Saturday, we will celebrate the Saturday of Souls liturgy. Would you remind us of the purpose and the meaning of this service?
1: Yes, the most common and basic understanding of that service is that we explicitly remember and ask God to remember all of those who have departed this life before us. But as I said with hope in our earlier discussion, this understanding is sort of generic and surface-level understanding of the Saturday of Souls service. And how so? There are two main Saturday of Souls liturgies on the calendar in the Orthodox Church. The first is the Saturday before Judgment Sunday. Judgment Sunday, you'll recall, is a Sunday of preparation for the season of Great Lent. And then, notably, Judgment Sunday is often referred to as Meat Fair Sunday, because when we follow the fast of the Church, that's the last Sunday before Pascha, before Easter, that we eat any meat products. So we're saying farewell to meat. So the day before that, we have the first major Saturday of souls. Then, as you mentioned, we have this coming Saturday, the second Saturday of souls right before Pentecost.
0: And why do you bring up the timing of these services and their connection to Judgment Sunday or the beginning of our fasting period and then also the Feast of Pentecost?
1: Because from Judgment Sunday until the Feast of Pentecost, you have an entirely unique time on the Church calendar. I'm told that in the so-called Western tradition of Christianity, at least in the liturgical traditions of the West, after Pentecost until Lent, you have what's called normal time. And although I've never heard that term used in Orthodoxy, it certainly makes sense, because from Pentecost until the preparation for Lent, Essentially, everything is measured by the number of weeks from Pentecost. So you have the Sunday of Pentecost itself, and then later on you'll hear about, the, for example, the fourth Sunday of Pentecost, or the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, or whatever it is. But it's all more or less measured by its relation to Pentecost. So that time from Pentecost until Lent begins again is normal time. The season of preparing for Lent, through Lent itself and then through Holy Week, And then finally, through the season of Pascha and Ascension, is an entirely unique time. There are hymns and prayers that are completely unique to those seasons. And I think it's notable that the bookmark of those seasons, essentially, are these Saturday of Souls services. And clearly, by placing one at the beginning and one at the end, the Church is reminding us that all of us will die, save those who are alive at the second coming of Christ. So all of us will die, and all of us, as we discussed, will be raised. And we will be raised for a purpose, again, to be judged. So we begin and end this holy season from preparing for Lent to Pentecost by remembering those before us who went to the grave, and just as importantly, reminding ourselves that we will someday join them. And if we wish to be raised in Christ, as St. Paul said, If we wish to be raised unto life, as St. John said in the Gospel that I mentioned earlier, then we have to live like Christ lived. And in Great Lent, and then especially in Holy Week, we heard and saw how Christ lived, and we begin and end the holy season by being reminded that's how we should live, because this life and the things of this world will eventually come to an end. Thank you, Father.
0: In today's episode, we examine the epistle reading that is designated for the Saturday of Souls services as well as the funeral service. Our discussion began with the theme of hope. Father Aaron stressed that while we can find hope in the passage, we must understand that Christian hope is conditional. It is not generic but specific. As Christians, our hope is that we will be found as St. Paul says in Christ. Father Aaron then explained that the resurrection itself is neutral, as all will be raised and separated into either a resurrection of life or a resurrection of condemnation. As St. Paul said to the Thessalonians, those who believe that Jesus died and rose again have this hope in the resurrection. Here again, we were reminded that believing something is not just an intellectual concept, but one that requires a trust that leads us to living out our lives as though it is true. If we trust in Jesus' message, we will recognize that the judgment we all will face will set in motion a reversal of the judgment of this world against those who follow the path of Jesus Christ. Properly understood, we see that our hope as Christians is intimately connected to the judgment. Finally, in discussing the importance of the Saturday of Soul services, Father Aaron explained that the purpose of the services goes beyond our prayers for all the departed since the beginning of time. The Church places these services as bookends to the season of Great Lent, reminding all of us that we will die, we will be raised, and we will be judged. We can find our hope in the resurrection only if we accept the entire gospel message and live our lives as Christ lived.
1: Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new
0: episode. Alleluia, 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 glory, to thee, Alleluia, 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 Alleluia glory to Thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 Glory to Thee, O God. O